Hello and welcome to the Refresh Podcast, where we aim to take a deeper dive into our faith and extend the conversation beyond Sunday morning. Since the return of the Refresh Podcast, I've mentioned our Bible study on the Book of Galatians in both episodes. So, I figured it'd be a good idea to spend a few episodes on what we learned from the Book of Galatians, because there were great conversations and I feel we still struggle with the same problems the Galatians were dealing with in the first century. Before we jump too far ahead, a bit of historical context is necessary. For starters, the location of Galatia is sort of interesting. Galatia would be located in what we know as modern-day Turkey, and Galatia actually refers to this overlapping area of regions and territories. To put that into perspective, John Nielsen and Philip Ryken, authors of the Bible study guide Galatians, the Gospel of Free Grace, explain that Paul addressing a letter to the Galatians is like writing a letter to Carolina or Dakota without specifying north or south. The letter to the Galatians was written in response to two occurrences. The first is a meeting that takes place in Jerusalem in Acts 15, held sometime before the writing of Galatians. The question of whether Gentile believers, those who believed in God but aren't Jewish, should be subject to Jewish laws or not, is what is being addressed. Over the course of Acts 15, the apostles come to these decisions. In Acts 15, verse 11, it says, On the contrary, we believe that we are saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus in the same way they are. Later in Acts 15, in verses 28 through 29, it says, For it was the Holy Spirit's decision, and ours, not to place further burdens on you beyond these requirements that you abstain from food offered to idols, from blood, from eating anything that has been strangled, and from sexual immorality. You will do well if you keep yourselves from these things. In other words, Gentile Christians do not have to abide by the laws of the Old Testament, but stay away from what's listed in verses 28 and 29. Later, Paul spends a year building the church in Galatia before moving on with his missionary journey. Sometime later, a group of Jewish Christians have come to Galatia and have been spreading a new gospel, one that says Gentiles are to follow Jewish laws and customs, including circumcision. These Jewish Christians have also been discrediting Paul and his ministry. And as we go through Galatians, circumcision comes up a lot. And the reason is because circumcision is the symbol of purity and the covenant between God and Jewish males. However, the crucifixion of Christ begins a new covenant for us one justified by faith, not our actions. In essence, Galatians gives us a look at the dynamics between seeking justification by works or recognizing our justification by faith in Christ. In the opening of Galatians 1, we see Paul's usual greeting and blessings to those he's writing to. Then he gets to business. In Galatians 1, verses 6 through 8, Paul says, I am amazed that you are so quickly turning away from him who called you by the grace of Christ, and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another gospel, but there are some who are troubling you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to what we have preached to you, a curse be on him. Here, Paul is already referring to the new gospel being spread by these Jewish Christians. Personally, I love verse 8. The If we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to what we have preached to you, a curse be on him. In that verse alone, I think you can hear Paul's frustration coming through. Next, Paul starts defending his apostleship, reasserting his reputation. 
In Galatians 1, verses 11 through 12, Paul says, For I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel preached by me is not of human origin, for I did not receive it from a human source, and I was not taught it, but it came by revelation of Jesus Christ. He then reminds them of his original path of life, where he followed the laws and customs of Judaism to the letter and even persecuted Christians until he had an encounter with God on the road to Damascus. Paul then recounts how he did not speak to the other apostles about the gospel after his conversion to Christianity, instead waiting three years before going to meet them in Jerusalem, but only meeting James. It was another 14 years before he went back to Jerusalem when the accounts of Acts 15 took place. In Galatians chapter 2, verses 6-10, through 10, Paul says this about the interaction. Now from those recognized as important, what they once were makes no difference to me. God does not show favoritism. They added nothing to me. On the contrary, they saw that I had been entrusted with the gospel for the uncircumcised, just as Peter was for the circumcised, since the one at work in Peter for an apostleship to the circumcised was also at work in me for the Gentiles. When James, Cephas, and John, those recognized as pillars, acknowledged the grace that had been given to me, they gave the right hand of fellowship to me and Barnabas agreeing that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. They asked only that we would remember the poor, which I had made every effort to do. Paul then tells how he even stood up to the hypocrisy of some of the Jewish leaders. The law dictated that Jews were not supposed to associate with Gentiles. He tells how his followers, Cephas and Barnabas, regularly ate and interacted with Gentiles until Jews who were associates of James, Jesus' brother, came to town. Cephas and Barnabas separated themselves from the Gentiles to keep up appearances, we'll say. And Paul calls them out on this. In Galatians 2, verses 14 through 16, But when I saw that they were deviating from the truth of the gospel, I told Cephas in front of everyone, If you, who are a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you compel Gentiles to live like Jews? We are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners. And yet, because we know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ, even we ourselves have believed in Jesus Christ. This was so that we might be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law, because by the works of the law, no human being will be justified. Paul wraps up chapter 2 with these words, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died for nothing. Compared to what we find in Philippians, Galatians is vastly different. Where Philippians 1 is filled with Paul's thankfulness for the people of Philippi, Galatians radiates with Paul's frustration, in my opinion. And I think we can all relate. I think we've all had those experiences of painstakingly explaining instructions or a point to someone only for it to go in one ear and out the other, or to have a relative or even a friend change their behavior when they're around certain people. So we have an idea of what Paul is dealing with. However, I think the part that brings it all together and sets the stage for the rest of the letter is Galatians 2 verse 16. And yet, because we know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ, even we ourselves have believed in Jesus Christ. This was so that we might be justified by faith in Christ 
and not by the works of the law, because by the works of the law, no human being will be justified. Paul will make his case later, but I think we see what he's getting at. Just like Cephas and Barnabas were trying to follow the law for appearances, we often do similar things. How often do we change our behavior for appearances or do the religious activity to check the religious box? And once we check the box, does it make us feel any better? Is there joy in checking the box? Probably not. However, there is joy in our justification by faith. There is joy in the fact that we are no longer subject to the laws of the Old Testament. And there's joy in the freedom we have in Christ. My hope is that as we go through the book of Galatians, we can rejoice in the fact that Christ's sacrifice means we are free from the weight of the law. To wrap things up, I hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Refresh Podcast. I'm not sure if it was Paul's plan when he wrote the book, but the book of Galatians is planned perfectly. Today we went through chapters 1 and 2. Next we'll tackle chapters 3 through 4 and wrap up with 5 and 6 in a month or so. We've talked a lot about checking the boxes versus earnestly working on our relationship with God, and the letter to the Galatians reinforces why and how we are justified by our faith not by works alone. So stay tuned. As always, join us on Sunday mornings online or in person at Summer Lake Elementary at 1030. And with that, we'll catch you next time.